Hello, friends. Glad you're here neuroqueering with me today. I'm your host, Pasha Marlowe, marriage and family therapist turned neuroqueer coach. And I love creating neurodiverse and queer friendly spaces for conversations about expansive learning, living, and loving. So let's skip the long intros and the bios and the sales pitches and all the small talk and go splunking into the world of neuroqueering where fluid and vulnerable conversations will hopefully leave you, your truest self, feeling seen, heard, and known. Neuroqueering is about unmasking, revealing, and healing ourselves and our society. And I am a mama bear at heart, so get ready for some much-needed TLC, too. Okay, friends, let's dig in. Hey everybody, I'm Pasha Marlowe and welcome back to the Neuroqueering Podcast for another solo episode. Just to remind you all of who I am, the host of this show, I am autistic, ADHD, and queer. I'm neuroqueer. And remember, neuroqueering is also a verb. We can practice the art of neuroqueering even if we are not neurodivergent or queer. So if you neuroqueer, you're neuroqueer, which I love. I love that it's all inclusive and for everyone. If you see the world through the lens of neurodivergence, queerness, social justice, curiosity, and creativity, I believe you are neuroqueering. I really love this word. So much of my understanding, as I've mentioned uh, about neuroqueering and the word neuroqueer is based on the work of Dr. Nick Walker, who wrote the book Neuroqueer Heresies. And she refers, which I love, to the need to bring pleasure back into our lives. She says, make space for joy and pleasure now as a necessity. Beauty and happiness can begin before systems are healed. I love this concept and philosophy because so often because the world is so hurting and broken right now. There's so much uh, sadness and grief and uncertainty that sometimes we feel like it is hard or even inappropriate to access our pleasure and our joy. But if we can stay in the high vibration of pleasure, humor, curiosity, joy, we can enjoy our lives while we advocate for ourselves, while we advocate for others, while we work towards a more inclusive, less marginalized, less pathologized society. And it's my hope that the conversations in this podcast invite all of that in the difficult conversations, challenging norms, challenging constructs, burning things down, but then also laughter and having fun and remembering that our innate state is joy, which is very hard to remember sometimes. Um, and and I, I'm with you there. It is, it is not always easy to access. I am a serious person. I am often anxious. I am not and never have been lighthearted or easy breezy. I'm not easy to laugh. Um, I don't laugh often, although I'm working on it, I find laughter very vulnerable and maybe a little scary. I require a great deal of 
safety before I can surrender to joy. And interestingly, I'm more comfortable talking about trauma than engaging in small talk. I am not always typically fun at parties. I will struggle. I'm shy. I'll kind of pull back if the conversation feels surface level. And um, when I'm one-on-one with somebody and I can dig in to some soulful conversation, um, then I become a little bit more alive and comfortable and safe. So it's interesting. Uh, I'm very curious. I ask why a lot. And I'm frankly not satisfied until I have an answer because it helps me close the thought loops. Otherwise, I do uh, get caught often in ruminations, um, playing conversations back, um, creating stories and narratives in my head to answer questions that haven't been answered. So I really like the the loops closed um, with answers and solutions. So I'm not always. Um, light. (laughs) So it's interesting and maybe a little ironic that I would start a podcast prior to this. My first one was called Let Pleasure Be the Measure. And um, many of my friends were surprised why I was doing this, especially because of the timing. So this was about uh, three years ago before the pandemic. Um, in 2019, my youngest son, I'm a mama of three, two are adults and one is a teenager. And my uh, son at the time was 11 when he um, was bit by tick and uh, has been struggling with chronic Lyme disease ever since, to the point where he was not able to go to school for pretty much all of his middle school years, two to three years of school were um were spent at home and um and in a lot of pain and i was his primary caregiver and honored to do so of course but it was uh exhausting and uh sad and scary every day and we were really at rock bottom many days scared for his life uh and and thus mine because I couldn't imagine living on this planet without my genie. And so uh, really as a kind of radical um, action of self-love and a radical act of preservation, I thought to finally, at, at that time, 49 years old, access joy and humor. And I saw the benefits of it immediately and uh, for my son and I, and how humor and joy and laughter helped us move through the darkest days, the most painful days, um, even the scariest of medical treatments uh, or days in the hospital. Uh, When we access humor, we were able to uh, gain some perspective and uh, bring a little bit of levity into the situation, even if we were laughing at how bad things were, like we did in 2020. 2020 was so bad, it was funny, kinda, right? Uh, I actually even started a program called Roar with Laughter. 
which is a therapeutic comedy program. I called it Traumedy, where participants would reframe their stories of trauma through the lens of humor. And then we would perform our stories on a live comedy stage. This is uh, thrilling and terrifying and very much alive. And so I continue to access uh, comedy now, even, even though we've moved through some of the um, crises and grief, because comedy is a challenge always for me. Again, laughter is a challenge for me. And so because it's a challenge, because it's hard and fun, it actually helps me get unstuck when I'm stuck in a place of grief or anger, or fear, or shame. I turn to watching comedy and writing comedy for new perspectives and new energy. Plus, one of the things I love most about comedy is that it's done in community. So it already breeds connection and belonging, something, of course, we all need on our darkest of days. So throughout this podcast, uh, hopefully you'll be laughing through some of it. I'll be bringing some humor into it. Um, I hope you were able to see uh, or hear the podcast episode with Eric Tivers of ADHD Rewired. We brought a lot of um, silliness, goofiness into that. And when that side of me comes out, I'm um, unrecognizable <laughs> and very much in my truth. So I started let pleasure be the measure podcast. I did 65 episodes uh, where I explored pleasure principles. I explored ways to access our pleasure and the erotic. We talked a lot about sex, but not all about sex. We talked about awakening our curiosity, awakening our senses. Um, often we would come back to learning about something new, exploring a new place, trying a new activity or food, because that's all sensual and erotic and pleasure. And I found that I'm in my pleasure and eroticism and sensuality most when I'm adventuring and trying something new. So we also talked a lot about coming out. Uh, and prior to the podcast, I came out as bisexual, uh, now usually identifying as demisexual, but queer. Uh, and then later, I came out again late in life as neurodivergent ADHD autism. So in the podcast, we explored sex and sexuality, uh, coming out, bi-invisibility, polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, and my favorite, pleasure activism. And you can find all those 65 pleasure episodes underneath the neuroquering episodes because I simply rebranded and renamed the podcast because I truly believe that neuroqueering is an extension of pleasure activism and vice versa. So pleasure activism, uh, there's a brilliant book by Adrienne Marie Brown. It's life-changing. It's a collection of essays and interviews, art and poetry. I highly recommend it. So for those of you out there who are not familiar with the term pleasure activism, here is Brown's definition. Pleasure activism is the work we do to reclaim our whole, happy, and satisfied selves from the impacts, delusions, and limitations of oppression and supremacy. Pleasure activism teaches us to consciously choose to experience pleasure. Brown writes, pleasure activism asserts that we all need and deserve pleasure and that our social structures must reflect this. She describes pleasure as the feeling of being 
happy and satisfied and enjoying life. But I wonder what pleasure or pleasure activism means to you and what you learned about pleasure growing up. Did your family value pleasure or joy? I grew up in a family where my father would often say, leisure is laziness and idleness is death. You can imagine how damaging that was for my little ADHD mind. Notice if you believe pleasure is about indulgence, uh, selfishness, or excess, or do you believe that pleasure is our birthright? Brown writes, pleasure is not one of the spoils of capitalism. It's what our bodies, our human systems are structured for. It is the aliveness and awakening, the gratitude and humility, the joy and celebration of being miraculous. So when I think of pleasure, I I also think of comfort, coziness, rest, and accessing those without guilt or shame or feeling like I need to produce something or earn that pleasure. Rather, and this is lately, over the last couple years only, I've finally learned to use pleasure and rest not as a reward, but as fuel, as necessary recovery as necessary rejuvenation. In Trisha Hersey's book, Rest is Resistance, she states, our worth does not reside in how much we produce, especially not for a system that exploits and dehumanizes us. Rest in its simplest form becomes an act of resistance and a reclaiming of power because it asserts our most basic humanity. We are enough. Well, that feels right. <laughs> so while this neuroqueering podcast is going to be about how we can burn it all down and fight against systems of oppression and work towards social justice and more inclusion and less pathologizing, we are also going to talk about ways that we can all stay in our creativity, our curiosity, and our pleasure. Starting with the next conversation that's coming up, my next guest episode, I'm so excited about it. We're going to talk about that. how as we unmask, we step into our truth. We embody our neurodivergence and queerness unapologetically, and we begin to celebrate our unique body minds. I am so excited to bring that conversation to you. And thank you all for joining me today for this conversation and neuroqueering with me. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most. Fellow ADHD minds out there, I know you're going to forget. I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the NeuroQueering podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, 
please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at NeuroQueerCoach. Sign up for coaching at PashaMarlow.com. Or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at Pasha at NeuroQueering.com. Thanks all. Happy NeuroQueering. Enjoy your day. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most. Fellow ADHD minds out there, I know you're going to forget. I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the NeuroQueering podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, Please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at NeuroQueerCoach. Sign up for coaching at PashaMarlow.com or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at Pasha at NeuroQueering.com. Thanks all. Happy NeuroQueering. Enjoy your day.